morning. My name is Jay Rosenthal, and I'm the Managing Director of Business of Cannabis. Welcome to the Cannabis Daily Show for Tuesday, March 15th, the Ides of March. Since 2017, we've highlighted the companies, brands, people, and trends driving the cannabis industry, and we look to do that here every day. We'd also love to hear from you in the comments, and feel free to visit us at businessofcannabis.com, as well as through all of our social channels, including Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. And if you're watching this on YouTube, please do subscribe by smashing the subscribe button. Following today's news and insights, we'll roll out our episode three of The Retail Expert with Krista Raymer of the Vitrina Group. She'll talk about merchandising within cannabis retail, why it's important, how to measure it, as well as some tips and tricks. As a reminder, coming up March 30th, we have our uh, online retail series. We'll be talking about getting your store ready for 420. And then in September, a two-day bonanza in New York City called Business of Cannabis New York. You can find out all the information in the links below. For today's top stories, New Jersey is on the cusp. Alberta's on the way up in terms of store count. Prisons directly to grows. Signs of chilling in Canada and kicking them out of the board in the UK. With adult use sales scheduled to launch within weeks from our first story, we look at a deep dive into the state of projected sales in New Jersey from 2022 to 2026. According to MJ Biz, sales could rival those of New York with projections between 320 million to 775 million for 2022, and it could be as high as 2.4 billion by 2026. For those that may not know about New Jersey, it's almost 9 million people. The median age is 40 plus years old and the median household income, median household income is 87,000 plus dollars per year. Another important factor is supply. Nearly every new market experiences a cannabis shortage after launching and New Jersey could be no different. So far, just five applications by cannabis companies have been reviewed to supply the state. So while the Garden State ramps up legalization, the gardens themselves are not exactly up to snuff yet. For our second story, the cannabis store count in Alberta right now. Each week, Business of Cannabis delivers a series of insights from our partners at Cannabis Benchmarks. And today, they look at Alberta's cannabis store count, but also in the midst of cannabis stores in Alberta being able to deliver and provide e-commerce to customers, uh, which is part of Bill 80, uh, uh, the Red Tape Reduction and Implementation Act of 2021. Love that name. Got to love Premier uh, Kenny for that one. And it gives licensed retailers, as I said, the ability to establish online stores and sell their products direct to consumers. So uh, we will look at the store count on Alberta. You can find that full briefing on our website. For our third story, a prison in California has been transformed into a cannabis cultivation facility by music manager Dan Dalton and his sister Casey. This according to NBC News. The duo bought the site for just over $4 million and their cannabis company, which is called Evidence, grows cannabis in a garden where in inmates once grew vegetables, edibles, and pre-rolls are manufactured in the former mess hall. So it really is using the full facility. Dalton, who is the manager of Damien Marley, said the site is a strong reminder of the need for social justice reform. For our next story, Canada is showing some signs of chilling out. Slowly but surely, Canada's tightly restricted adult-use cannabis industry is showing promising signs of loosening. Here's some of the evidence. In Ontario, uh, uh, has made delivery and curbside pickup permanent starting March 15th. And online cannabis ordering a shift to provincial control uh, to private retailers. This uh, in Alberta, we talked about that up top. And the federal regulators are finally looking at the nonsensical purchase limits on cannabis-infused drinks, which are currently measured by volume rather than THC, which means you can't really buy more than four drinks at a time. 
for our final story. Oxford co-founder goes public on why boards should be replaced. The co-founder of a UK-based Oxford cannabinoid technologies who stepped down in November after breaching market rules has now gone public in a letter detailing why he wants a general meeting and a vote on replacing the current board. This is per a story in Business Can. In an effort to salvage the company's share price, which has dropped over 30% since the general meeting was called and risks losing its spot on the LSE, Gavin... Sathianathan wrote that he would like to the eight-person board to be completely replaced with three positions. Those are the stories we're watching today. Join 10,000 others and catch all these stories in your inbox every morning at 7 a.m. Eastern with our Cannabis Daily Newsletter. Coming up, Krista Raymer from Vitrina Group, who is our retail expert, talking about merchandising your cannabis retail store. This is episode three of our expert series featuring Krista. Enjoy this enjoy this presentation from Krista on merchandising and cannabis retail. Today we're going to talk about merchandising. why it's important in a cannabis retail environment, what KPIs tell us if we're doing a good job, and some tips and tricks to help lead our customers to the right products. So first up, why is merchandising important in a cannabis retail store? Merchandising is that secondary piece to our floor plans. So it's exactly how our product is going to show up in our customer journey, that space and the direction to which our customer travels through the store. Merchandising is going to influence what products our customers see, when, and what information they can tell about those products specifically. So merchandising is a tool that can be pulled to be able to empower both our sales team as well as our customer to understand our product better. Merchandising informs the value that our customer understands that product's worth. So if we place a product in a store in a particular way, that can influence the value that the customer perceives with it. For example, if we put something in a discount bin, the customer understands it as being discounted. If it's maybe prioritized in a special place in the store, they might also take into consideration what value is associated with that product. This is going to both help us get the product sold at a particular price point and help with our SKU velocity. Effective merchandising is going to lead our customer not just to the product that they came in store considering, but also prompt other products that they might not have anticipated purchasing. In doing that, we're going to directly impact our average per customer, as well as our sell-through across different categories. So second, we want to talk about those KPIs that are used to measure how effective our merchandising is. The first one is going to be our average per customer or units per transaction. Both of these are going to allow us to understand what products are being prompted along the customer journey and how effective they are being leveraged to sell to our customer. Merchandising is a little bit about communicating with our customer and a lot more about creating the right tools for our bud tenders to get the product sold. So if we're positioning the right product in the right place, we should be able to lift our average per customer and our units per transaction. Number two is gross margin. We want to think about gross margin as it ties directly to merchandising because it's really going to be an indication of what categories are selling in what place in the store and to what customers. 
In our inventory video, we talked a little bit about breaking it up into subcategories. And when we do this, we can also optimize our pricing. So when we think about merchandising, we want to get the right mix of the right product in the right place and then be able to push our overall gross margin because we're attaching particular products to our transactions. Those products might include lower to barrier entry products like edibles or beverages because we can generally price them a little bit higher and increase our gross margin. And if we can attach them to all of our transactions, now we've got a winning success on what it looks like to lift our gross margins. Okay, so number three is going to be what our sell-through looks like per category. This is essentially what our category mix is per transaction. Why this is important is because we usually see that if a customer purchases from multiple different categories in store, they're more likely to repurchase with us again in the future. So if we're getting the right mix of products into our baskets, we're more likely to retain the customer and see a higher lifetime value. So merchandising is going to be that prompt that lets us get different categories into one transaction. So finally, let's get into some tips and tricks around merchandising. The first one is going to be signage. We've walked into so many cannabis stores and the majority of them have way too many words on signs. The goal of really effective signage is that your customer can take it in in three seconds. 30 seconds would be the maximum amount of time that we want to see a customer spending reading a sign. So think about how we can keep that signage really simple as well as guide customers through the environment. Tip number two is to think about how many products we're presenting to our customers at one time. Within a display, if we have a lot of products, it's really difficult for our customers to be able to distinguish the differences or the features of each one. So we want to dial it back a little bit and present less information to them so that they can clearly understand what the key features of each product are. The goal is really to get it down to three to five products presented at once. So if we have three similar products, we can put them all out. But if we have 10, that's way too many. Our customer won't be able to make a decision and we essentially force them into decision paralysis where they stand there and then don't purchase anything. So keeping your numbers tight to three to five, enable our customer to make an effective decision and feel confident in their transaction. And the last tip for merchandising is to don't forget about impulse purchasing. These are all of those great pieces as we get closer to the cash desk are, that are usually lower in price. Impulse purchasing can really influence our gross margins or our average per customer, as well as getting additional products into our basket that the customer didn't anticipate. This is a great place to put out product that is a new test or something that we want to iterate on and make a decision about whether we're going to carry it in the future. So prompting our customer right as they're getting to that cash desk is going to be really important in being able to drive additional revenue, as well as play around with some fun products that our customers want to purchase. Thanks for joining us today. If you have more questions or want to know how to drive a profitable retail environment in cannabis, you can reach out to me directly at Vitrina Group. We have more awesome content just like this that will be on businessofcannabis.com. That was episode 47 of the Cannabis Daily Show. Thank you for joining us here on YouTube, wherever you caught the program. We look forward to seeing you tomorrow.